I apologize. I've got a little uh, weak voice this morning. Um, we had some sickness uh, going through the office here at the church, and uh, I hate to be left out of anything, so I guess I decided I was going to try it out, and it kicked me pretty good. So uh, I've chosen not to use my neck mic because if I get to coughing, <clears throat> it's hard to uh, not pop your eardrums with that. So I can at least push this away or turn around. But thank you for uh, uh, putting up with that this morning. Uh, we started off this morning and uh, I'm in the shower and I'm just about finished. And my wife says to me, uh, you're taking an extra long shower this morning, aren't you? And I thought to myself, well, what's wrong with being squeaky clean for Jesus? I'm getting ready to go. You know, I didn't say that. I did not say that to her. Trust me, I did not say that. And then the lights went off. And I said to myself, you were serious about me taking a long shower, weren't you? And oh, the power went off. So I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't able to use my blow dryer this morning. Is it okay? Everything okay? Okay. Just checking. If you'll turn your Bibles to, <coughs> excuse me. If I get laughing, I'll start coughing. So turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Hold that in readiness. We're going to read it in just a moment. But if you're uh, new here, uh, we have been studying Philippians, and we're just about to hit the last chapter. I know some of you are thinking, I was sure he was going to hit chapter 4 today. But there's so much in uh, this last little chunk of uh, chapter 3 that I just could not pull away from it. And while you're turning in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, uh, I just want to highlight again something that Miss um, Kayla shared with us, and that is uh, we've got wonderful opportunities for the men and the women to be a part of a small group uh, Bible study or sharing time, and there's still time for you. And especially I, I say this to the men. Uh, some of you have not stepped out of your comfort zone at times to uh, try something like that, and it is not uh, anything that's going to be offensive or make you nervous. Uh, you will just love it. And I know they're back there at the tables on your way out, and I want to encourage you to give thought to signing up for that. It's on Thursdays, I believe. Uh, you can learn more about that um, this morning. Well, may the Lord be praised this morning. If you came in to the house of worship today uh, needing a word of encouragement in life's journey, uh, today's reading, I believe, is going to be a great encouragement to you. So Philippians chapter 3, and I'm just going to read verses 17 through 21. Here we go. Brethren, this is the Apostle Paul talking. Join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears. This is, um, this is deep and it, it uh, reads a bit thick. And so I pray that you will help us to parse this out, to sort it in such a way that when we leave this place that we can have a sense 
of what uh, your messenger, the Apostle Paul, was conveying by the Holy Spirit to the church. And I pray that you will help me not get in the way of that. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to do this morning is break these verses into a summary thought for your consideration. And I'm just going to give you just a, if you've got your, hopefully you've got a little place for you to take some notes or something where you can write in the loose leaf of your Bible somewhere, that the Lord will give you a seed thought. If you're listening, if your cup is turned upright so that the coffee goes in or the tea or whatever you'd like, uh, that it goes in the container, your ears means your ears are listening and open, and you've had uh, an opportunity to praise and worship the Lord. You've stood, you've been able to clap your hands, you've been able to wake yourself up from uh, the night's sleep and rest, and we've praised Him, and now we're ready to study and stay focused for just a few moments. Let's see if we can uh, get something special just for you this morning. Verse 17, now here's a little summary thought, I'm going to break it down for us. Paul tells us in verse 17 to follow his example. Paul says, follow my example. And he said to observe others who are following Paul and the early disciples of Jesus. That's summary thought number one. Follow Paul and follow those who are following Paul. Basically following Christ who has just descended into heaven. They've started the church. They've launched the gospel news about people can be saved from their sins and go to heaven because of what Christ did on the cross. It was a substitutionary thing. And uh, for those who believe and who have received, and that can happen for you today, it's happened for many of us in the past, that is the good news that's going out. And Paul says, follow my example now how to live, how Jesus wants us to live. Now that we're saved, now that Christ has covered our sin debt, now that we're waiting for, for the end, uh, the, the plans that God has to unfold for humanity, while we're waiting, we're to serve him and we're to live for him. So follow my example, Paul says. And follow the example, observe the example of others who are following Christ. So I got thinking about that a little bit. And here's, here's the thought for you, you to consider. Look around the church. Consider this. Look around the church. And find someone that you believe loves Jesus who is doing something right. Something right that you admire. And make that a pattern for your life. Look around the church. Every Sunday we come and go. We we pass one another in the foyers. We got people sitting beside us, behind us. Uh, and uh, you're, some of you are in Sunday school classes and you're in small groups together, whatever. Find someone that you can spiritually admire them for something and say, I've identified that about this person. They may have other good qualities and they may make a lot of mistakes in some areas, but I want, I'm being challenged to find something positive about people that I can uh, use as an example and as a model. Paul says, follow me. I'm the example and observe others. This is the teaching. Observe one another. Now, we're real good about observing the speck in somebody else's eye, aren't we? we I mean, that, we, we just that comes natural. I don't know why, but it just seems like it does. But he says, no, look for something bright. Find one thing. Find one thing in your youth pastor's life. That you think, everybody listen to me that's in the youth department, I can't walk now. Everybody, see, find one thing, probably several things, but find one thing 
in your youth pastor's life that you think she does well and then follow that as a pattern for your own life. That one thing, maybe there's several, but that one thing. Find one thing in your Sunday school teacher's life that you've spotted. We've got some wonderful teachers in some of these classes and leading small groups. Find one thing that is special spiritually about them and make that a part of the pattern <coughs> for your life. Find, find one thing in your pastor's life. And for most people, you'll, you'll have more than one pastor in your life if you live a, a, a long life. You'll have perhaps several. So those of you who've been here at Lakeview for many years, you've had a number of wonderful leaders. Find, think about them and think about what's the one thing you remember about each one of those pastors that you've, you've put into your own world as a pattern for your, your own life. Find one thing. Catch this one. Find one thing in your mother's life, if she's still living, or as you remember her. Find one thing in your father's life, spiritually speaking, if, if they knew the Lord Jesus Christ. And I realize some of them didn't. Find one thing in your dad's life that stands out to you, that you admire spiritually. I'm not just talking about building an organization or being a good guy or uh, joined a lot of great clubs and all that. I'm talking about a spiritual discipline, something that your father or your mother has demonstrated over a long period of time and make that a pattern for your life and don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. When you go to young young people, when you go to the university, the secular university, don't forget what your father or your mother or your Sunday school teacher or your pastor or a dear friend who loved Jesus and you knew they did and you saw that. Paul says, follow that example. Observe one another. Pick out something unique and, and special from that person and let it be a part of your life. Listen, no one ever gets it right on everything. Amen? None of us do. But it's so easy to find it's so easy to find that one person's voice in the choir that seems more beautiful than somebody else's when they sing, isn't it? Say, well, I you know, they do pretty good, but I really like it when so and so sings. I really like it when you know, we're so good at that. We I don't know why, but isn't it easy to notice that a godly person may a godly person may not know how to color coordinate their clothes <laughs> but they may be a tremendous example spiritually speaking for the pattern for your life and your spiritual journey with god even though they can't color coordinate their clothes right or doesn't seem to care about you know sometimes when i talk to that guy his, his breath is bad all the time Why can't he figure that out? But he's a godly guy. And I've watched that and I've admired that. And so I want to build that into my life, even though I have to stand back a couple feet, you know, sometimes. We can still grow and learn from one another. We have a little humor in this, but you know how we are? I'm using silly, silly examples so that I'll keep the crowd awake, hopefully. Uh, But, uh, or they never never seem to, I don't know, that guy never washes his car. What's up with that? Never wash his car. His car's always got dirt all over it. Why can't, why can't, or I got it. I went for a ride with me the other day and it was so crusty inside. I didn't know if I wanted to sit on the seats. But as a godly person, 
A godly person who reads the word and studies the word and and knows God. And find that, find that in someone's life. It's too easy to find the stuff that we didn't care for or we thought could be better or should be better. And that's not the kind of atmosphere that God wants in the church at all. So I want to encourage us to follow Paul's advice today and find one thing you spiritually admire about your mom. Find one thing you spiritually admire about your dad or your assistant pastor or their spouse and follow that pattern for the rest of your life. Even though the secular professor at the university tells you something different, don't ever forget it. Remember what you learned as you observed the godly people in the family of God. It will help us to stay on a good course because we all have flaws. And we all make mistakes at times. Amen? Amen? We do. But God's word tells us that there are those among us. There are people in this body of believers. And we've even got new ones on board now. And what a great job Pastor Jared and Jim have done in preparing them to come into membership. But God's word tells us that there are those among us who are getting it right on some really important stuff. There are people sitting in the pews this morning who are getting it right about some really important stuff when it comes to God's will for our lives. And those should become examples, Paul said, for our lives, even if their breath isn't fresh and even if they don't wash the car on a regular basis. They've got it right on the important stuff. You know, I've shared this before for some of you, um, but my own father was not raised in a Christian home. And... uh, in fact, he had three fathers. My, my grandmother had a, had a hard life. And that was the atmosphere that my father grew up in. But a friend took him to visit his church one day as a young boy, and my father gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And Jesus put him in a spiritual family where there were godly men who taught him what God had to say about how to be a godly man, how to be a godly father, how to be a godly husband. And he wasn't raised to know it. But God put him in a new family. That's what we are. We are a family for encouragement. There there are people, you heard some of the testimonies if you were here last week. Some of these, some of these folks did not have the start that many of us had, the blessing of being raised in a Christian home. But now they've been placed here in our midst and they're watching. Paul said for them to watch me, to watch you demonstrate the things that are important to God. And that's why we ought to be each other's best cheerleaders in the family of God. Amen. Amen. If you find somebody not cheering somebody on, change the subject or walk away or say, that's not how I see that person. And remind them we're to be observing things in a positive way. Find something good in the examples God is exposing you to in the church today and make that the pattern for your life. Okay, verses 18 and 19. Let me give you a summary thought about those two verses because there's kind of a key theme in those two verses. In those two verses, if you've got it before you, I'm not putting it on the screen again right now, but... Paul reminds us that there are only two kinds of people in this world. Two kinds of people. 
those on their way to eternal life and those on their way to judgment and separation from God. Two kinds of people. Those that are redeemed and on their way to heaven and those that are not redeemed and are on on the way to judgment and separation from God. The ones on their way to judgment and separation from God, Paul said, it grieves me. It grieves me so much that he said, he said, those folks that are against the things of God, those things that are, are not uh, uh, affirming of Jesus Christ in their lives, those people who think that it's wise to stand against the things of God, he said, when I think about them, he said, it makes me want to cry. It makes me want to weep. Now, it's, it's hard for us sometimes to weep over the lost folks that are in our community in Grant County. Now we can say, yeah, 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 well, we know there's a lot of unsaved people out there. And, and uh, God bless uh, our song that talked about send them out for next Sunday. We're talking about our missions deal. And, and we, can, we can intellectually understand that and agree with that. But sometimes it's hard to cry over it. And, and so the, the way to step into that and to understand what, what Paul was really feeling is to make an application that kind of puts us into that a little more intimately. Something like, do you have a grandchild, a grandson, or a granddaughter who is not in Christ today and are in that other camp that are bound for judgment and eternal separation from God? Do you have a grandchild like that? Do you have a wayward son or a daughter that is not in the flow on the journey along with you today? That's painful to think about, but those that'll make you cry. You think about that at night while you're laying on your bed and think about I, my, one of my grandchildren's not going to go to heaven? And you think, this is part of my flesh and blood? And I had an opportunity to pray for them and to witness to them and, and the whole nine yards. And you're thinking, but they're, they're, they're not in church. They don't seem to care about church. They, they don't profess their faith in Christ. Uh, they're, they're doing things in life that shows that they're moving in a different direction. And it, it just makes you want. And Paul says, I weep over the, I weep over these people that are lost and they're enemies of Christ. Now we don't know exactly. Uh, scholars don't really know exactly who he was talking about. There could have been Judaizers. It could have been um, some of these uh, folks that were uh, coming up with philosophies that perverted the truth of the gospel. And and uh, we don't really know exactly who he was referring to. But but it's anybody that's against Jesus, that's against the things of God. They're identifiable. You say, well, how, how, how can you know without being judgmental and just saying, well, I, I know whether a person's saved and going to heaven or not. Well, technically we don't know, but he said, here's how you identify them. They set their minds on earthly things. They set their minds continually on earthly things. And if there's one quality that I, I would highlight about the Apostle Paul's life that makes me want to uh, emulate the Apostle Paul it is this. I would say that after he came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, his focus was on living with Jesus forever. His focus was on living with Jesus forever. But he was still on this earth at that time, still writing letters to the churches and sharing the gospel to those who needed to know it. But his mind was focused on this isn't going to be forever. 
I, I'm focused on living with Jesus forever. That, that stayed in his countenance. You can read it popping out. We'll see it in a few moments here. It just keeps bleeding out that we're citizens of heaven. I talked about that last week and about the passport thing. You remember that? Citizens of heaven. Hopefully everyone here is a true citizen of heaven. Probably not because the church needs to have those who are investigating. And we want those who are investigating to be here so they can hear the truth. He never got sidetracked by the things of the world. Paul tells us, he said, I had some good time. I had some good times. Uh, I'm a tent maker. I, I know how to make my own living. I, you know, there are times when I was living by the seaside and it was beautiful and I could look out on the ocean. I had an oceanfront home and, you know, rent and all that sort of thing. And then it was times when I spent plenty of time in jail. He said, I've had the highs and the lows, but the earthly things one way or the other did not move me much on my spiritual journey. He constantly reminds us that we're citizens of heaven living temporarily in this place until we're called to our real home. When you leave here and you go park in your driveway, it's not your real home. You're just really renting it. You might not owe anything on it, but you're just renting it, basically. It's going to go away, and I'll talk about that in a moment. And to prove the danger of getting caught up with making this life such a special place, I wondered about this. I, I wondered if Jesus came in the room today, and he walked up here, got behind this microphone, and he looked at each one of us, and he called us by name, looked us right in the eye, and called us because he knows us. He call, call, calls your name, and he says to each one of us today, I'm prepared to take you to heaven right here, right now, or you can wait a little while. What's your answer? What would you say? Some of you would say, right now, let's go. But some of us might say, well, Jesus, I want to be with you forever. But not just yet, because we're going to the beach next week. I got a vacation I've been waiting for. And, and, and I met this really nice guy and he is so good looking. And I just want to, I just want to get to know him for just, just maybe a couple months. Or I'm preparing to get married. Or, uh, I'm, I'm retiring next month, Jesus. I haven't even had a chance not to punch a time card. Can I spend a little of the money I've been laying up for it right now? Right here? Right now? Or you want to wait a while? Paul's always reminding us that disciples of Jesus are always preferring to be with Jesus no matter how good life gets on this earth. Because here's what I can tell you, and you know this from experience. Once the beach week is over, it's Monday morning, and back to the futility of punching the time card, isn't it? See, once, once the beach is over or the mountains is over and we hit the desert called, oh, I don't feel so good today. Oh, the doctor said there's something wrong. I don't know if I've finally got this beach house and I'm, I'm picking on the beach because I love the ocean, but finally got this beach house and you're telling me I got cancer? Now that I finally got this really nice place and I'm not going to get to enjoy it because the doctor says there's probably not much chance we can do a whole lot. 
and all of a sudden life feels kind of futile, and it changes how we how we process hard places. And there's a certain futility. It's like, okay, what I got to look forward to this afternoon? Okay, well, okay, let's see. Maybe you can watch the if if they if they uh, broadcast it. If the power's back on at my house, uh, maybe we get to watch a Colts game. That'd be cool this afternoon. Might get a chance to go to a birthday party uh, for a little child. Looking forward to that if, if I can feel up to it. Uh, got, a, got a small group going on tonight, and so I'm looking forward to getting to that, have some nice fellowship and eat some goodies, and, and I got a bunch of the good stuff. But Monday morning's coming. Man, I got a whole stack of stuff. I got it. You know, there's always something, something in my work that needs to be done. You ever feel that way? I've got to step back up on Monday. It's tough. It's tough, and sometimes it can feel kind of futile, whatever. And uh, people, the true disciples of Jesus are always preferring to be with Jesus. And why? Because once, once the good stuff happens, uh, we come back to having to live in a broken world, and that doesn't get fixed until we get to heaven. And the sooner the better. Amen? It really, the sooner the better. All right, look at verses 20 and 21. These two verses remind us of a somewhat forgotten essential in the Christian faith. See, what are the essentials in the Christian faith? Well, boy, you want to make sure you get it right about Jesus. Amen? I mean, you, want to, you don't want to miss that one. And that essential is the imminent. Can you say that word, imminent? One, two, three. Imminent. We don't say it often. Imminent. That means it's, 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 it's going to happen. This, this is for sure going to happen. The imminent return of Christ for his church. And that's why I said, if you're needing a word of encouragement today, this is the day you want to be here. Because we're going to talk about the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Look at what he said, verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly, eagerly, not just wait, but eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Let me put that in a different translation for you this morning. Let me, let me take you to the J.B. Phillips paraphrase of what I just read there in the New American Standard. And here's, here's how it goes. Listen to the spirit and tone of it. But we're citizens of heaven. Our outlook goes beyond this world to the hopeful expectation of the Savior who will come from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will remake these wretched bodies of ours to resemble his own glorious body by that power of his which makes him the master of everything that is. One commentator kind of put it this way, and this is where you're going to get some real encouragement. He said, and I quote, The combination of a redeemed spirit and a glorified body, see with spirit and body, the combination of a redeemed spirit and a glorified body will enable all believers to perfectly manifest the glory of God, sin, weakness, sorrow, Disappointment, pain, suffering, doubt, fear, temptation, 
Hate and failure will give way to perfect joy, Matthew 25. Perfect pleasure, Psalm 16. Perfect knowledge, 1 Corinthians 13. Perfect comfort, Luke 16. And perfect love, 1 Corinthians 13. I want you to think about this. Do you know that after the resurrection, Jesus still ate? But he didn't need food to be alive. He still ate. But he didn't need the food. But he still could eat. Do you know that after the resurrection, Jesus could still be seen and recognized? But he didn't have to use a door to enter the room where the disciples had gathered, John twenty nineteen. So how does he enter a room without a door? Because the door was shut. They were scared. But Jesus appeared in the room. Do you know that after the resurrection, Jesus joined two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus? He went in to break bread with them. And then the scripture says he vanished from their sight. How can you be in a room and vanish? How does that happen? Do you know that after the resurrection, Jesus explained that he was not just a spirit, but he was also flesh and blood, yet resurrected? John twenty twenty seven. See, Paul reminds us this morning that everything good about this earthly existence. Have you enjoyed some good things on this earth? Have you not? Have we not? I mean, regardless of our economic state and where we come from, have we not had some good days about some experiences in our lives? Of course, we have had some good things happen in some good days. Paul says to us this morning that everything that's good about this earthly existence will be improved and everything ugly and painful will be destroyed. Let me say that again. If you're going through a hard place right now, I want you to remember this. That everything good about this earthly existence will actually be improved when we get to heaven. And everything that's been ugly for you and everything that has been painful for you will be destroyed. Second Peter 3, listen to this. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. You see, we won't miss the beach or the mountains or the colors of the rainbow. Trust me. You're not going to miss those good things that you've enjoyed a bit on this earth. You're not going to miss them because the paradise of heaven will be such an improvement. Think about it. Heaven will be such an improvement over your favorite place to be, your favorite thing to do, your favorite people to be with. And the good news is that the pangs of hunger. You know, Jesus had a resurrected body. He could move in and out. He had no trouble. He didn't need a door. He could vanish whenever he wanted to. But he said, I'm flesh and blood. 
and he ate fish. We still get to eat. I suppose we still get to taste it. I'm looking forward to that. In, in this realm, you have to have what some of you are feeling right now, a hunger pang. So I wish you'd get on with it so I could go take care of that. But heaven's going to be so much better than that because the hunger pang, you know, you can stop and catch some, you know, I don't want to call the restaurants, but on the way home. But that's futile because you're going to get hungry again. But in heaven, you know, it's different. It's improved. It, it's, it's better. And the pangs of hunger today here, the feelings of thirst that we have, the aches and the pains of our bodies growing old, the accidents that happen to us that harm us, the sometimes betrayals that torture our emotions. No more death, no more dying, no more loneliness. That loneliness is a killer at times. No more loneliness, no more feeling friendless, no more weeping, no more crying in the night. We will be conformed to his glory, which is more than we can even imagine. How do you know that? Ephesians 3.20, listen. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. You can sit here and think about the best of the best and Jesus' plan is improved over that. That's what that says to me. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So, beloved, now we are the children of God. 1 John 3, 2. We are the children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. What we will be. We know that when he appears, we'll be like him. Because we will see him just as he is. So the life of the believer this morning should never seem futile. Because we have this promise. After the beach or after the desert, it really doesn't matter. Because heaven is our real home. And for the hard-working fools, the Bible would call them, of this world, who are living for earthly things set in their minds, they will be disappointed because it will be futile and it will all be burned up. It will all be left behind. I think that's why Jim Reeves wrote a, a song. Some of you will remember these words. It says, the world is not my home. This world's not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Jesus himself said this to you. Be encouraged by this. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So I put it to you this morning in closing. The words of that song, if you're over 30 or 40, you probably never heard this before, but some of you will resonate with it. Andre Crouch. It won't be long when we'll be leaving here. It won't be long we'll be going home. Count the years as months. Count the months as weeks. Count the weeks as days. (laughs) Any day now, we'll be going home. Beloved, we are the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when Christ shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him just as he is in all of his majesty, splendor, and glory. We shall be like him. You know, my dad loved the church. When I thought about this and I asked you to, to, to look around and find somebody that you see something of spiritual value and then emulate that, make that a pattern for your life. And the one thing that I remember more than anything else about my father, and you did not get a chance to know him, he, he, he made it here to this church one time, and now he's, now he's gone. But the one thing that I saw in his life, and there were many, but the one thing, if I had to pick one, it was my dad, after falling in love with Jesus, fell in love with the church. He loved the church with all of his heart. And uh, I'm, I'm walking in the heritage of that. That's why it's easy for me to tell you that I love you, because I truly do. I love the church. I've loved, and my wife and I have loved every church that we've had the privilege of standing before. You are loved, and my father taught me that, and I'm doing my best to emulate that as a pattern for my life. So, to close, find a spiritual quality in someone who loves Jesus and emulate that for the rest of your life. Don't negotiate it. Hold on to it. No matter where you go, no matter what smart professor is talking to you, no matter what agnostic person is trying to sway you, you'll hold on to those, the truths of those great patterns for your life. And then secondly, remember the imminent return of Christ any day now. It's any day now. He's going to take us home. Two kinds of people, the redeemed and the lost. I pray that you're redeemed. And if you are redeemed, then be encouraged at the imminent return of the master who's going to come for you. And and you'll be glad when he comes. And for those that are not sure that you're redeemed, listen, that's why I love the church. The church is a place, and you heard the testimonies last week, of people that were found, people that were discipled to know about the love of Jesus Christ. And they've stepped into faith, put their trust in Christ, asked Him to be their Savior, said they would give Him their life, try to do their best with His help to live for Jesus and then to wait for his imminent return. You can do that today. This is not a hard thing. It is not rocket science. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I love you. 
I, I need to know you better. Uh, I, I want to be a part of that redeemed group, that saved group, that, that, that group that you're coming back for, Jesus. I want to go with you to heaven forever. I don't want to be separated from God when this life is finished. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, there may be those even right now that have been listening and they're not sure about what would happen if you came today. Perhaps today, Jesus might come for his church, for his bride, because he loves us. He died for us. And Father, if there's somebody here today or listening on the internet who needs to put their faith and trust in Christ, who's been trying to make it in this world and have set their mind on earthly things that is all going to get burned up one day when you recreate and make things new. Help them to reach out to Christ by faith. Help them not to wait for somebody to prove something to them. Help them by faith to reach out and say, Jesus, I trust that you are the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross for my sins. And I stand in need of forgiveness. Would you come into my life? Would you save me? And would you give me strength to live a life that's pleasing to you? I need your help. And then one day take me to be with you forever. I open my heart to you today, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let me just say that if you prayed that prayer and if that spoke to your heart, and you'd like to know more about that or have someone pray with you, invite you to come forward. We have staff. I'll be happy to pray with you. Go back in the prayer room and someone will pray with you. And perhaps you have a a need to refresh your journey with God. Perhaps you've forgotten about how wonderful it is that Jesus is coming again to take us to be with him. Perhaps you've been discouraged because of life's woes, because of grief and sorrow and pain and, and discomfort and the hard places that life has to offer. Be encouraged by what Paul has given us today. Jesus is going to set everything not only right, but everything you and I could ever dream of as being good and hopeful. He will improve upon that when we go to be with him forever. Thank you, Father, for a wonderful time of praise and worship and being able to give. We're really excited about next Sunday if you choose to wait and allow us to have our missions conference. Uh, and, and you don't come this week, uh, we'll be excited to come in here. We'll be excited to hear the testimonies of how we're trying to take this good news to the world across the street in Marion and literally around the world through our missionary partners. I pray that this would be one of the best attended services that we have all year because people get serious about the right kinds of things. Pray that you would forgive us for finding the speck in one another's eyes And always talking about that instead of talking and paying attention to the best things in our brothers' and sisters' lives. Things that we need more of in our own personal lives. Help us not to be uh, backstabbers and and gossips and, and people that are discouraging to others. But help us to be uplifters and encouragers and exhorters as we see the day approaching when Jesus is going to come for his bride. Thank you for these new members that have come to join fellowship with us. May they be blessed richly by this decision to be here in this church. Thank you for the wonderful worship and praise that we have together and for our leaders and our lay leaders who guide the ministry and for our staff. We're so thankful for all of them. May you protect this flock, Lord. The enemy is out there waiting and crouching. We know that. 
And we pray that you would keep us protected and that you would give us uh, strength and resolve to stand for you as we establish healthy patterns in our lives for all of our lives. Help us to pay attention to those that you have gifted for us to learn from. Thank you for their examples. We love you. Give us a great week in the Lord, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.